I do an intro. Oh, okay. You Go know if it. you listen. You, much like every every guest before you, aka just David, does not listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to one episode, and most of the time I hear what you're talking about through the door. I guess. In all fairness. I guess, yeah. Anyways, welcome to Pop Culture To Do, the podcast where it's just me, because Anthony's busy. He'll be back soon, but until then, we've got another wonderful guest. Oh. <laughs> we've got uh, my partner, Sam. Say hey. hi. 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 Hello. Um. <laughs> Are you nervous? A little bit. I feel hot and sweaty. Ah, uh, you've been watching cops? <laughs> no, I swear. I was only watching Bruce Willis bench a few hundred measly pounds. <laughs> that guy misses bench pressing a ton so yeah so if you couldn't tell by what sam was saying or by the title of this episode that you've already clicked on we're going to be talking about the trilogy of films unbreakable split and glass two of those are good to great movies depending who you ask and one of them is also a movie yeah uh, so so this was at my request because I hate superhero movies, and somehow Unbreakable is my favorite superhero movie. It's a movie I really enjoy. It's it's a movie that you've referenced a decent amount for the fact that it's not Jurassic Park. <laughs> I have? I've referenced it? Like, you brought it up. Oh, uh, I guess I, I do have Bingo is the Badass running through my head, like, all the time. But, uh... Sam Jackson's great. Oh, he is. But no, this is a movie that I just really movie a movie series that i just really wanted to go over because mm-hmm. uh out of nowhere i saw that glass was on netflix and i was just like this, i can tell this is gonna be bad but i'm gonna sit down and just like casually watch it while doing other things and uh it bad it, yeah. it's real bad yeah. and we'll get to that we're gonna go through all three of them mm-hmm. uh, but uh you know, for the audience, I thought maybe a good way for them to get a vibe of you mm-hmm. is to talk about uh, the thing you've been most passionate about uh, in the past few days. Uh, that Reddit page. Oh, Christ. <laughs> if you want, if you want. Well, see, the thing is, this might get a lot of haters on your podcast. Oh, like anyone's listening. Yeah, okay. Well, so there's a subreddit that's called female dating strategy and the subreddit first came like you know across my feed like maybe a month ago when i saw an article about it that was basically saying that this subreddit is the equivalent of the red pill or like subreddits which is where the incels which is what they call involuntary celibates are which is basically a bunch of dudes complaining that women won't fuck them and like that's it so, so apparently female dating strategy is the female equivalent of this. So I went and I took a look the other day. I looked at their top posts of all time, and most of it was, guys, I found child porn and I reported it to the FBI. Here's how you can also report this to the FBI. And also, adult men shouldn't be approaching 14-year-old girls. And, and stuff like, Keanu Reeves is nice because he picked an age-appropriate partner instead of being like Leonardo DiCaprio and going after women who are consistently half his age. Like, did you know that Leo apparently, like, dated at one point, he had some family friends, and they had a baby, and 
and then he grew up to, and then he dated that baby. That's gross. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. So, so basically the subreddit, and just other things on the subreddit, for example, is like, oh, I was at a club, and I found this really drunk girl, so I wanted to help her get her home, and then this guy came up to me and was just like, let me take her. And I said no. So, so that's what the subreddit is about. It's more women helping women, and a lot of, you know, don't settle for a dude who needs you to do all his laundry, cook you all your meals while he play, like sits down and plays video games. Anyway, a lot of men are offended by this because they feel personally attacked for whatever reason you can come up with. And there's some terms on that that I don't like. Like, they use terms like low-value males and high-value males, and I don't dig that. But most of it is fucking bob on. Yeah, yeah, you, you showed it to me when you found it. Because I wanted to be like, am I crazy, or is this really... Cur- like, there's nothing wrong with this. No, and there isn't anything wrong with it. Like, I agree with you, There, there's some terminology on there that is a little... Like, oh, it could be better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's more of just accountability. Yeah. And uh, you brought up one post that's in the top posts, which was referenced as something that, like, oh, you know, these, you know, just look at the top posts. Look at how bad they are. And it's the the one about, oh, I found a, a drunk girl and I decided to help her get home. And then a guy tried to do it instead. You left out the part where he claims to be her boyfriend yeah. and then is like, oh, but I don't have pictures of us together to he, prove it. He was like, I don't have my phone. Like, who doesn't bring their phone to a club? Yeah, and just the... that That's just red flaggy. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I will take her, but don't ask any follow-up questions. Yeah, like... Bye. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's... Mm-hmm. And, and this basically ties back with promising young women. Like, so, yeah. so much. And, 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 and it's just... Guys really don't like to be guy guys. Not all men okay. like to be held accountable for their poor shitty actions. I said this when you showed me the the subreddit and I'm going to say it again now. Men who aren't trash aren't offended when women call men trash. Because they know it's not directed at them. Exactly. In the same way that when, you know, people of color who are being abused systematically talk shit about quote-unquote white people you know good allies aren't sitting there going ah but i'm nice yeah. no they're like yeah fuck white people yeah, yeah, you know. yeah it, it, it's just mind-blowing and, and and the person who told me go look at all these top posts and you'll see just how bad and toxic it is it's like oh cat fight no no, don't a do li- that. A literal cat fight. Guys, stop biting each other. Uh, this episode's off the rails already. Yeah, this is... We, we can't shut the door because we're both in here and the cat's a scream. Stop it. Don't bite his butt. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? What was I... Oh, yeah. Th- this dude was just like, you'll see how toxic it, is, toxic it is by looking at these posts. And it's just like, well, I'm sorry you think people getting called out for grooming 14 year olds and looking at child porn and trying to take drunk girls home so they could rape them is mean i'm like i'm sorry why do you feel called out by this for one thing and why are you saying the way they talk about it is mean it's like well yes are we supposed to be praising the child rapists like yeah that's bullshit yeah 
and I wanted to bring this up on the podcast partially because it's something that you know we've been talking about all day yeah on and off so it was you know I thought it was like oh that's a topical thing in our lives you know it'll show whatever you know also content you know we gotta fill at least an hour of the shit yeah I'm doing but, my best to help you here yeah. <laughs> yeah but also like Anthony's not here to chime in but I'm sure he agrees with me when I'm saying this if you listen to this podcast and you find us bringing up this topic and talking about uh, toxic masculinity offensive, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. I don't want you listening to my podcast if you're a whiny piece of shit trash. Yeah. And, and again, if you're offended by people calling these kinds of things out, that means you are that person that we don't like. Yeah. And, and you have issues. It's very frustrating as someone who's been like molested in the metro at the age of 12 and followed home a couple times. Like, there's, I have no room for patience anymore with this kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah. that's heavy. That's a different topic. <laughs> so let's get to talking about a really bad movie for you guys. Well, before we get into talking about a bad movie, I want to talk about some better movies. Okay. So because we're going to talk about the... The trilogy as a whole. So it makes sense to me to start with, you know, the obvious starting point. The movie split from 2018. <laughs> Isn't it 2016? 2016. I know. I looked. I looked. I did it. I remembered something. Thank you for doing the research I didn't bother to do because I'm not facing my computer. I don't blame you. I, I, I usually... Usually he remembers everything and it's kind of creepy how good his memory is for like all this film shit. Yeah, we're about to talk about three movies. One of them I watched two days ago. The others I haven't seen in a few years. And we're going to just see how well my memory actually works right now. <laughs> I mean, I just literally finished watching Unbreakable, and I can tell you I've already forgotten half of what went on. Yeah, but that says more about your memory than mine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's really bad. But yeah, uh, when, when Split came out, did we go to see that together? I don't remember we, don't ask me i can't remember were we anything. dating in 2016 we had just started dating in june or july 2016 i'm, gl I'm glad you're as equally iffy on that as it's, i am it's we started dating on the sixth of one of those months and it's because like i've said many times before i can't remember the difference between like march and may june and july if they start with the same letter eh, i'm not getting it i, I can't yeah pretty sure it's july mm, when is saint jean because it was around that weekend uh saint jean is june 24th then it's around then it then i guess july would make sense yeah july 6th which is like a week or two after yeah because it was around the saint jean canada day we're in canada by the way quebec not really canada you know uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, it was around uh, uh, Canada Day, Saint Jean, so probably July then. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, you know, Split came out, and I heard it was good. Mm -hmm. I remember going to see it, and it is good. It's got interesting camera stuff. Uh, 
Anya Taylor-Joy is a good lead in it. She's great. She's great in everything. Yeah. Like, I think she's done better work than the work she's done in Split. In terms of stuff like, I hear she's really good in The Queen's Gambit. She's great. And, she's so good. Oh and God. she's fantastic in The Witch. Or, Th- thoroughbreds. Yeah. Like, everything. Thoroughbreds, too, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. Love her. Yeah. Like, she's really good in Split, but, like, it's not a bad thing to be like this isn't her best work just because she is so talented for someone so early in their career but yeah she's good james mcavoy is a star in that like he's done other starring stuff and he's great and he's done really good films but like there's something about him in split that is just like oh if he wasn't already a star this would have made him a star yeah because because the thing is if y'all don't know about Split, basically it involves a dude with dissociative uh, something personality disorder, and it's called DID. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he did have that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make that joke, but I didn't know how to do it in a way that would like make sense, or I would probably trip over it. But anyway, he has, here for? Uh, he has this personality disorder, and he has 23 alter egos. And Sim Jing Sim seeing james mcavoy transition between all of them is just like wow mm-hmm. wow and because he, he, yeah. he changes his mannerisms he changes his body movements he changes his expressions and just the way he holds a neutral face in that character is different from mm-hmm. how he does it between all the other little personalities that's a good point you bring up is the neutral face because it's one thing to be able to do the voices and the mannerisms when you're doing stuff but it it's the in-between moments that oh yeah really subconsciously cement things in your mind Mm -hmm. about what he's doing yeah and that's what makes him so great and it's a really good movie and i went into it hearing that there was a twist and it's an m night Shyamalan movie so of course there's a twist oh yeah and you go through the movie and there's nothing major i'm just like okay no this is just a solid movie and then in the last shot of the film, you see Bruce Willis as his oh. character from Unbreakable. Oh, my God. And they don't call him by name. He's just there. He, you can tell it's him because obviously, I think maybe he has a name tag that says David. Uh, well, you just see Bruce Willis because the way they, they end that scene is basically there. there's a, uh, he's in a diner. Mm-hmm. There's a TV going on. Uh, that's going over the case now that it's like finished with uh, James McAvoy and Anna Taylor Joy, and basically they say like we've nicknamed this guy the Horde on the news, and the waitress is like, well, didn't they nickname some other bad guy once? And then you just see Bruce Willis, and he's just like, yeah, Mr. Glass. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that made me like shit my pants with excitement, because again. Unbreakable is like my favorite superhero movie and this was like a stealth sequel we all had no idea that it was tied to Unbreakable I think when it came out uh, in festivals it didn't have the Unbreakable scene oh really? yeah so that way people wouldn't be going into it in the theaters being oh it's the Unbreakable sequel and then it's not an Unbreakable sequel until the last three minutes because expectation changes how you view it the first time round. That's smart. Yeah. But oh. So yeah. I'm so excited. You know. The, the and that's the reason why I wanted to start with Split was so that way we could now dovetail into oh, you know, it brought up the hype and then, you know, I did what everyone did 
after Split, rewatch Unbreakable. Yeah. So let's talk about that. And just before we get too into it, I don't think Split is a great, great, great movie. There are some things I could have wanted more of from it. I think it's good fun. I, don't, I actually think I like it less than you, which is really funny, considering I was the one who wanted to talk about this. Split? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... I think it's good. I think It's good. It's I think solid. It's good. Some people say it's great. I think no. it's good. It's good. With a great performance in it. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with that 100%. Um, like, I think the thing that I didn't enjoy so much about Split, and, and this makes sense nowadays, so this is more of a personal thing, but basically, like, Unbreakable was a movie that came out, it was basically a superhero movie that came out back when superhero movies weren't a thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, uh, the first Spider-Man, because Unbreakable came out in 2000? 2000. And the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire was in 2002. And that's what sort of set off all the superhero movies. I think X-Men was around 2000 as well. Yeah. Like, it was... That's the thing about Unbreakable is it came out right before and right at the start of the superhero boom. Yeah. And more specifically, the comic book superhero boom. Yes, that's it. And, And the thing is why I'm, like, not quite as crazy about Split is because... It's it's not the same tonally than as uh, as Unbreakable, mm-hmm. which is okay, but I found it felt very much like a Marvel action movie. You know, I find it funny you say that because I don't find that. It, it has like, elements. I guess I think it feel like Split and and Glass, which we'll get to, feel more like thriller films, if anything. Yeah, yeah, it's just. I guess maybe it's some of the ways things were shot. Uh, all those scenes with James McAvoy looking ripped and shirtless. To me, it kind of brings it into like the Marvel superhero kind of territory. Yeah, but if you're ripped, you're going to get shirtless. And like that's part I mean, of the point is to show the physiological difference that uh, that persona gives to him. Oh, yeah. And they did a great job doing that. Mm-hmm. Because like he literally seems to grow. But it's all in the posture, which is also really fun. Because mm-hmm. posing like a bodybuilder it's like a, makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. That's something that people don't talk about a lot with bodybuilding is it's not just mass. It's how you angle your shoulders to your hips to your everything. Yeah. Like people literally take like six-week courses on posing. So like stuff like that is incredibly important. And, and James McAvoy managed to master it. Like obviously he's like pretty fit dude as it is i don't know if maybe they used a body double for some scenes i mean maybe some of the stunt stuff yeah but like i'd be impressed if he was actually that big because because the beast is pretty jacked oh yeah for sure yeah um but yeah unbreakable mm -hmm. are we doing unbreakable first or are we doing split first well we just did split that was it well do you have more to say we're kind of just ping-ponging around well okay I will say that there's one thing in Split that made me feel like a little weird, and then it appeared again in Glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name? Casey, Anya T- Taylor Joy's character. Yeah. Her relationship yeah. with Kevin Wendell Crumb, mm-hmm. weird. And, yeah. And, and it just to me, it it's, it they play it off as almost romantic, and it makes me uncomfortable. 
comfortable. I, I agree. I like the idea that she does feel like a connection to yeah. him. And I think that's a big sort of important part of the story. But the way it's shot, the way it's performed, the way it's sort of presented. Especially in Glass. Especially in Glass. Is this like romantic vibe. Yeah. Like you said. And yeah, no, that that's the worst part of this entire trilogy of films. No, it's not. No, 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 it's, um, not it's up there. It's it, up there. <laughs> no, I got I got some Ugh. shit to say about Glass. Oh, same. Like, are, are we going to go into Glass now? Or do you want to go to Unbreakable? No, let's go to Unbreakable. I want to okay. talk about the good ones. Okay. All right. Oh. Why the hype was so high for people to watch Glass. Yeah. And then how it all came shattering. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Seriously, though. And you, you just rewatched Unbreakable. Yes, literally, I finished it like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's still one of my favorite films. And you know, it's funny that we're talking about like female dating strategy and like gross men out there who should be avoiding like all mm-hmm. that. Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, kind of not a great dude when you first no. meet him. Like, I still empathize with him to an extent but not about that stuff yeah yeah because literally the first opening scene he's on that train and a hot woman wants to sit next to him and he just slips off his wedding ring yeah it's scummy it's really scummy and like at the same time we see how he's smiling at those kids sitting in front of him so it's a very interesting balance of you know it it's real people not that I condone cheating by any means, mm-hmm. but like yeah, no, absolutely not. Like it, it shows a flawed character who still has some decent qualities. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking like at yeah. the moment. You're gonna cut this out. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> you better cut this out. You know, the fact that you're, you're asking makes me really want to leave it in now. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I do agree with what you're saying. The, the fact that like, yeah, it, you don't condone it, but what it does is it fleshes out the character yeah. and it brings it to a more real level, mm-hmm. which is the interesting thing about these movies is the fact that it takes the mythology of superheroism and grounds it a lot more. Oh, yeah. You know, his powers are he can bench a bunch. It's not even a bunch. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Do you want to go into this? No. Oh. Well, yeah. I, I, I thought you meant me, but like, no, you, yes. No, no, no. You you know this. Do we want to go into this? Okay, so it was the bench scene, because, you know, when I first watched the movie, or even the last time before today when I watched the movie, uh, I didn't know a lot of stuff. Anyway, I, I used to train in the gym a lot. I competed in powerlifting but i really sucked at it so i was impressed eh, whatever it was fun um but I, it really cracked me up i keep slipping so uh i competed in powerlifting like tw- twice i was not very good at it but like i learned a lot with the people i trained with mm-hmm. very good learning environment and <laughs> Bruce Willis is like a 185 pound man, which is like standard 
man size, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would I would say Bruce Willis is a boring standard man. Standard man, dude. This is little egghead. He basic. Yeah. Okay. But I still like Bruce Willis. He's kind of kind of makes me think of a teddy bear. But anyway, getting off topic. So we're gonna get back on topic by being off topic. Um, he, back on the off topic. topic. Yeah. So basically, you know, at one point he goes with his kid, and he's like, "I'm gonna work out." And then they start working out, and he's bench pressing because that's the only thing guys consider working out is just doing bench presses. No squats, no deadlifts, none of that. And basically, he's like, how much weight did you put on the bar, child? I just forgot his name. but And the kid's like, I don't know. And he's like, this is 250 pounds. I've never benched this much, ever. And then they keep throwing weight on it. And they end up getting up to about, what is it, 370 pounds. And this cracked me up because, like, that is not that insane. That is not insane strength for a 185-pound man. I went and looked it up in in the IPF world records what that weight class is, like what the record is mm-hmm. in bench press for that weight class. It's it's like 480 pounds. So okay. Bruce Willis. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, but for a casual Oh, yeah, for sure. Who's never really gone for it. But he's it's su- impressive. But he's supposed to be a superhero. But he's a grounded superhero. But also in 2000, just a casual audience goer hearing you've lifted that much weight. Yeah. Like, I still think it sounds impressive. Oh, it does. But I like- get winded picking up our cats. <laughs> it's just, I feel bad shitting on it, but it's like now that I know better, it's just like eh, that's just alright there, Brucey. But, um... Brucey. Yeah, he was also using suicide grip, which was just like an mm-mm. It's when you put, instead of putting your thumb around the bar, you put it with the rest of your fingers so that it can roll out of your palms and squish your chest. That's, that doesn't even seem like a natural option. Like, I'm doing it with my hands. I'm like, why is this? Anyways. That's a tangent. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, though, he, he, he's a superhero. And in that particular scene i think there's also something really fun happening because m night shamyan uses a lot of color symbolism in this film yeah his 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 early like serious pieces of art Mm -hmm. because you see it in uh sixth sense and you see it in the village too i believe probably (laughs) yeah but uh what because basically Bruce bruce Bruce. Bruce Grillis. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know Steve Carell was playing his despicable me character in oh this. Oh my god. But basically, um, so Bruce Willis's color pattern, David Dunn's color pattern, is just a lot of green. Mm-hmm. And it's, a lot of it is actually this weird sort of light neon, but not bright enough pukey kind of green. And a lot of khaki. But, and we know that uh, Mr. Lass his color palette is just red and purple mm-hmm. through and through kind of every time it's like the only thing he dresses in besides black yeah um and especially purple especially purple and when they're doing this bench pressing scene what's really funny is that he and his son are both wearing like khaki like shirts mm-hmm. but then they're both wearing red undershirts and it kind of just shows about like sort of how Mr. Glass has gotten into their heads and they're testing these things out and they're starting sort of starting to believe them. Mm-hmm. And basically Mr. Glass is influencing their minds and that's why they're wearing red. 
And we also see them wearing red uh, when Joseph pulls the gun out on his dad, which is actually kind of a really funny scene where, you know, Robin Wright is just like, friends don't shoot friends, Joseph. No. Um, God, she's great. That delivery. But we see it a lot where, you know, Bruce Willis keeps his green color scheme. And then every time they sort of get a little bit influenced by Elijah, by Mr. Glass, a little bit of red pops up here and there. Even to the point where when Joseph first starts asking his dad, like, oh, do you think this is real? He's wearing a green sweater, but the inner lining of the hood, you know, where your head is, is red. Mm-hmm. And it just shows that he's really gotten into his head. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great attention to detail that a lot of directors don't think about. And that's why I think people love noticing color theory stuff in film is because it's a little extra step Mm -hmm. it's not just oh we're giving him this sweater Ah. oh we're giving him this sweater it's oh we're giving him this sweater that we got made to fit the theming that we're going for yeah and little touches like that they really pop out in the Mm -hmm. movie and it uh color coding is something that happened all the time in superhero comic books as well. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a superhero comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And there's one line that Mr. Glass says that really kind of gets me. Uh, the thing that makes this piece special is the realistic depiction of its characters. And when he says that, he's talking about um, just some piece of art he's trying to sell. This is where, like, some dad wants to buy it for his four-year-old kid, and then Samuel Jackson just kind of yells at him to get the fuck out of the store because four-year-olds can't appreciate art. Yeah. And, but, you and know... it's comic book art. Yeah. He, he, he's like a comic book art dealer. Yeah. And he's got, like, like he's original got a gallery. pieces. He's like, got a gallery. Yeah. Um, and just that line, it's pretty freaking meta mm-hmm. because, you know, Unbreakable is all about realistic depictions of these superheroes and supervillain characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy who whose marriage is crumbling, who thinks about cheating on his wife, who, you know, made a decision to sacrifice her, which wasn't the smartest thing in the world, that's all really realistic. And it's a guy who feels lost until he finds his purpose in going around and saving people. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I find it really interesting because there's quite a few lines like that where they kind of tie stuff in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're still in the huge comic book character superhero boom in cinema. Yeah, I hate it. And we're getting to the point now where we're getting the more meta adaptations with stuff like The Boys and, uh, to a lesser extent, Invincible. But what I feel like, especially with something like The Boys, which is critically acclaimed and, you know, pretty good. The fact is, like, they're not going for grounded and realistic. Like, they are in a way, but with a very nihilistic point of view. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's an enjoyable piece of media. But, like, compare it to Unbreakable from 21 years ago. Yeah. And it's just, it's doing the same thing. It's doing the meta commentary and bringing it into the real world. But it doesn't have that nihilism. It has a more 
grounded feel. Yeah. 100%. Mm. And even a few years ago, uh, the movie that came out that James Gunn did, Super, which is also supposed to be like a grounded take on a person becoming a superhero. More of a, a Batman type superhero, which is like, I'm just going to put on a costume and fight crime. <laughs> and, you know, it's a good movie. But again, very nihilistic. And that's an issue. And it's something that has been going on since The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Those movies where... You know, they were uh, some more grounded look at Superman. And that became so big because people are going, oh, well, now the media that was part of my childhood is for me now as an adult. We are all full of nihilism. Yeah. 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 And that's why, like, you even compare the Dark Knight trilogy to the boys. And, you know, the Dark Knight has, you know, some, like, serious themes to it but at no point does their you know hero just turn around and just kill a kid or anything yeah and yeah. you see well, like and and in the boys it's just like everything sucks everyone's evil superman's kind of a nazi really kind of it, uh. he's like you know the whole point of the boys is oh the it's superheroes are real and here are a bunch of characters who are analogs for the Justice League because they're the most known superhero team. So, you know, there's always copies of them when you do meta adaptations like this. Ooh. And in in the boys, the Superman character, like he was raised from childhood to be a hero. They're like sponsored by like a company. So they, they're not just being heroes, they're being heroes and then selling merchandising rights. And he's just a fucking asshole. And he doesn't give a shit about anyone. And then in season two, I think they actually introduce a character who's like his equal and they get along. And then you find out that she actually is a Nazi. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no. So like compare, you know, stuff like that that's coming out now in our modern landscape of superheroes and the deconstruction of it compared to something like Unbreakable. I say something like Unbreakable. Compare it to Unbreakable specifically because that's what we're talking about. Mm. And it's just a different world. Oh, yeah. Of conversation about the medium. Okay. <laughs> I was holding it in. Case. I was about to be like, do you need to burp? No, because... I have had to cut myself burping out of like five episodes, <laughs> and this is episode oh, eight. Honey. Mm -mm. And then there was an episode where I had to cut Anthony's out. I think the first episode I just left him in too. I was like, whatever. But then I was like, no, I want to be a serious artist. Does this mean that I'm just gonna randomly do one of my rare huge burps like just in the middle of speaking now? No. I hope not. Um. But yeah. Uh, unbreakable. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's it's just a a great film. It's not a movie. I consider it a film. It's a nice character study. It's about family relationships. And that's one of the things too is they use the stuff they're saying here about superheroes as a commentary on real life family problems you know it's like he's having troubles with his family 
and when he starts getting powerful and becoming a hero he's becoming a better man to his family and he's also just finding himself mm -hmm. and thankfully he doesn't do it for cheating like a lot of men like to think but um <laughs> that, that's a whole other story um he's able to find himself and the thing is like you know when they say you gotta look out for yourself before you can look out for other people it's it's really true like he's a guy he gave up football to be with his wife which i find really sad but if he wanted to do it okay and you know after that we don't know what he has he's working as a security guard right yeah i imagine he doesn't feel really fulfilled and well, maybe at first he kind of seems to blame his family for that a little bit. Like, he tells his son Joseph, we were finally starting to become friends at one point when Joseph pulls the gun out on him. Mm -hmm. And he basically, he has a really bad relationship with his family. But it's also because his relationship with himself is pretty fucking poor. And then once he finally starts doing what he wants to do, which is weird to say because it's kind of under the influence of Elijah. Once he starts doing what he wants to do, he's able to repair his relationship with his son and with his wife. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing. you got to take care of yourself first. Yeah. And, and I find that's a really realistic sort of depiction of family life, of home life, and how you can't really blame other people for your choices or what you are or aren't doing. Mm-hmm. But what is an M. Night Shyamalan movie without a big old twisty? Oh, yeah. And this movie does have a good twist. Uh, the reveal that Mr. Glass is evil and that he caused the train crash. And other terrorist attacks. Yeah. And I like that because, you know, he's the villain. He's the bad guy. He's wearing all purple and looking like a badass and sam jackson is so fucking cool yeah but, eh, yeah but but see the fun part about this is in the end he's just like i know who you are and now i know who i am yeah. is what he says to bruce willis and that's another thing where it's like this guy is chasing happiness through other people instead of just doing his own thing though i guess in a way he does his own thing <laughs> but either way like yeah no he does his own thing and he feels fulfilled yeah but, but to the point I was making is, is because they kind of portray him early on, you know, looking at comic book things. There are the characters like uh, Professor X and the X-Men who are the leaders of the team, you know, the mentor figures, that kind of stuff. And it kind of sort of feels like, oh, he's trying to be that yeah. to this hero. And then, and you know, as, you know, people who understand narrative stuff like that makes sense mm -hmm. and it feels the the thing with unbreakable is it kind of the entire movie feels like the first act of a story which is funny that it is now the first film in a trilogy mm -hmm. whereas the second and third parts don't feel like second and third parts of the story like they're, they're each their own story yeah well the first two are and that's what that's what makes it good like unbreakable is fantastic lots of fun realistic in many ways and then you've got split which is again very grounded for the story it's telling not, not as story it's telling yeah 
like there's only so much you can get away with with the idea of ah and then one personality in this body is jacked as fuck Mm -hmm. like there's a like you can only go so far but like it's grounded mostly in that one location it's just really focusing in on the characters yeah you know it it it's that (laughs) here's a psycho she just wants to be part of the show (laughs) okay honey okay Thank you to our second guest for the episode. Echo. <laughs> She's so cute. Oh I my god. Not, I, I love our cat so much. Like, put the podcast on hold. We just want to look at this cat. <laughs> uh, okay, wait. What was the last thing you said? I already forgot. Oh, the, the first two are, are fairly grounded. Okay, okay yes. Uh, but see, see, the cool thing about this is that it sort of did like what the Alien franchise did, where the second movie is a totally different genre from the first yeah. one, a- and that's why it works. Mm-hmm. And I guess now we'll get into Glass, and we can ping pong back and uh, forth between the other movies. But this uh, is the thing you wanted us to talk about on the podcast because it's so bad it's such a letdown it's such a letdown and like when it first started the first 10 minutes because you know i i didn't watch it with you i watched it after and you you walked into the room i was about 14 minutes in (laughs) and i was like it started off good but it's starting to dip Uh and it just keeps Dipping. And I told you, it only goes straight down from here. And, and it's true. I, I've never seen a movie that just is so consistent in its downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. And the first, like I said, the first 10-ish minutes I think are quite good because it reestablishes David Dunn and his son, who I think it was really cool that they got. The same kid. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, he's been in other stuff, but he's not a he, he's not as big an actor as they could have gotten mm-hmm. and no one would have been upset if they cast someone else in the role no but the fact that they did i like that that m Knight did that i he also did that with the comic book store owner in glass is the same one at the counter in unbreakable Oh, where, where Samuel Jackson is just, like, knocking shit over with his wheelchair and you're yeah. just like, man, can you please get out? Yeah, it's the same It's the same clerk. Oh, shit, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and Elijah's mom is the same. Yeah. Who they had to put in uh, old, older age makeup because she is younger than Sam Jackson, <laughs> I found out after. And, you know, because they, you know, she was mostly... Or completely in flashback scenes in Unbreakable? Uh, she shows up at the end of Unbreakable and they're holding that like gallery okay, yeah. opening and when Bruce Willis realizes that, you know, he, Elijah's mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, but like, that's the thing. And they like, olded her up for that too. <laughs> yeah. It, how was the old age makeup in the end of Unbreakable? Because it was okay in Glass. Uh, they basically just like put some white in her hair. I mean, black don't crack, so, like, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have, she, let's be real. Yeah, and, like, here and then, like, in, in Glass, like, they they did something to, like, her cheeks to make them look a little saggier. Yeah. But they didn't really do that much, which, 
you know, it, it was okay. Like I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of what they did with the cheeks, but at the same time, it's more realistic than if they like, you know, gave her crazy crow's feet and crazy brow and just, she comes in and she's like, well, back in my day, oh this, my, my son was blah, blah, blah. Like they didn't do that. No. But yeah, the, the first little bit of this movie, which I keep trying to make this point on, they, they reestablished, uh, David Dunn and his son and what they've got going on and they they reestablish James McAvoy and where his character's at and I like the fact that they did that and I like the way that they did it too because it really does in this opening 10-ish minutes feel like a sequel to both movies yeah you know it's more leaning on the stylistic visuals in Split, because that's just where he is now as a filmmaker. Yes, yeah. But, like, I think it was good, and then it just keeps getting worse. And this is one of the better Bruce Willis performances he's given in this stage of his career, because he has a tendency to just sign up for movies where he has to do the smallest amount of work for the biggest paycheck possible. (laughs) Like, he really does. Like, there are a bunch of movies that he's in where if it's not... If the camera's not facing him, if it's over the shoulder, if it's behind, it is a stunt double. It is a body double. Because yeah, yeah. He shows up for the least amount of work, and the only time he really puts in effort anymore is for directors he's already friends with, which is why he doesn't completely suck in this, because he's old friends with the Shyamalan. Mm. And just, yeah, it's, it's, it gets worse... You know, when they start... Like, their showdown is okay uh, in the first act, the first act one, before they get captured. It's yeah. all right. They get taken in. And then it becomes a movie of wasted potential. It really is. Because they've got... There's several ideas in this, and I'm going to go over them, and any one of them could have been dope. It could have been really good if they were spending more time on the oh no you guys are making up that you're superheroes it's a it's a it's a mental problem yeah they did that really half-assed yeah there's like bruce willis kind of questions it for a minute like you don't really get a good enough sense of that you don't and you know obviously we're spoiling all these movies but you know spoiler warning whatever uh the bit at the end where you find out that there there's actually a organization Ugh. taking out people with superpowers. Uh. Not a bad idea, no. but so poorly executed because they don't hint to it at all. It's just completely out of nowhere. Yeah. And twists aren't good if it's just, and then there's this for no reason. Yeah, that's the thing. It can't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. and and that, But that's what it does. And, yeah. and Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Like... I know you're, you really kind of hate her. I don't want to say hate. I'm not a fan of her. You strongly dislike her work. I don't, I don't like the way she performs. No. I don't want to say hate though, because I feel like there is this thing where like, hate is a very specific word. And especially towards women in Hollywood, that really fucking sucks to be like, oh, I hate this bitch. Okay. I'm not a fan of the performance choices she makes. I apologize for trying to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. But you're right. 
but at the same time i do whenever i see that she's in stuff i'm just like i'm not gonna watch this now because i don't like her so i get why you're saying that i just want to specify that like i think that she is talented in ways that i don't appreciate i think it's great that she as a woman in hollywood is getting as much work as she does mm -hmm. and a big part of that is the fact that you know ryan murphy will actually write more than one role for a woman in a show that he makes yeah you know and while i'm not a fan of his work either i think they work well together i think uh it's great that he's doing that but yeah she's not great in this she plays honestly i feel like every time i see her uh at least most of the time she kind of plays the same character she speaks the same way she keeps the same character like she keeps the same facial expressions and same like uh rhythm of speaking for every character she has mm -hmm. and i find that like it worked so cool so well in like the american horror story things mm -hmm. because she's really good at playing like a slightly creepy person and when yeah. she portrayed like mildred ratchet in ratchet like it her the way she is it works in those performances mm -hmm. all ryan murphy stuff yeah <laughs> and, and clearly like it's made for her cat <laughs> get out you're in elastic anyway but um <laughs> yeah no like like clearly like you know she, she's good at doing this one thing and and I say this, I watched Run. She does that thing of being the same all the time a little bit less. Okay, yeah. But still not that much less. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Anyway, her character in Unbreakable, I was just like, uh In glass. Uh, yes, thank you, in glass. <laughs> um just I don't know, just yeah. so annoying, so irritating. She doesn't come off as some sort of health professional like she's supposed to. No. At all. But also, she doesn't play it up enough in a way to be like, ooh, is she secretly evil? No. Which is what she turns out to be. Like, it's just, there's no balance. There's no fine-tuning. Yeah. And then, just, uh, before we just get into, like, major complaints... Uh, the fact that it the way it ends where the supporting characters from the other movies yeah. uh, they so Elijah's mom uh, Joseph uh, David Dunn's son and, and Casey from Split they all get footage of the super powered people doing super powered stuff in the final battle where they all get murdered because that's what this movie is. It leans a little more on the modern nihilism. Yeah. And, you know, they, they get that footage of them being heroic and all that stuff. And it's proof that they have that this stuff exists. And they put it on the internet where no one would fucking believe it. Because you can do so much with video editing and special effects that look this good. Because, you know, you know, obviously this is a movie. So we know that movies can look at least this good. Yeah. But the fact that, like, they just, the scene ends with them sitting together in a train station because of half-assed symbolism, because oh trains to begin and trains to end, uh. and, and they're just sitting there waiting to watch 
as they've changed the world and taken out this organization that no one knew was a threat or a problem until 10 minutes before the movie ended. It's just <sighs> It's just... It's just... Even along with that, just the fact that during the final showdown, they're all just kind of standing there. Yeah. Going, oh no. Hmm. <laughs> this doesn't look good. All of our friends are fighting each other, but we're going to just be friends standing here chatting with each other casually while yeah. we do that. Like, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Casey, she does something where, yeah. they're, where they trick her and they're like, no, go calm him down. Get, get Kevin into the light and she goes and she does that and then they shoot him dead yeah because he's only bulletproof as, as the beast. beast jinx i'm kidding greg 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 you know i take jinxing very seriously <laughs> and we're recording an audio only <laughs> podcast well i wasn't gonna keep you quiet we wouldn't have 20 minutes of silence on this podcast really? that would be funny though <laughs> just the slow beat playing in the background because <laughs> I put music in the back and me just going <laughs> um, I mean technically speaking I could at, with those laughs I could edit 20 minutes of silence and a little laughter and I'm not going to though no you won't um, that, that, it or will I cool. you'll have to listen to find out <sighs> this is where you just edit in Thirty seconds of silence to make people go. Wait a second, but no, we're not doing that. No. Um. Uh, yeah. So the the point you're making that the the supporting cast are just sort of there, and they're being really casual about everything too. That's the thing. They're like kind of there, and yeah, they're too casual, and they should have either not put them there. Or at least cut to them worrying. Or trying to do something. Trying to... Even not trying to do something. Because, you know, they're characters with an understanding of, oh, they are much stronger than us. If we get yeah. involved, like... But have that point made. Yeah. And I gotta say, it was a little disappointing in that finale. That, you know... You get the hype from Split... That David Dunn is coming back and they drown him in a fucking puddle in a hole in some cement. Yeah. And I don't even think it was filmed that, like not filmed, but like filmed and edited. It wasn't produced in a way that made it feel overly tragic. No. It was just casually just watching mm. him drown. Yeah. And again, everything just felt so casual. Yeah. There was no impact in any of those scenes. Yeah. Which is shitty because there's impact in both prior films. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff going on in this movie, in this sequence, when they start fighting outside and there's those two women in that the back of that van and there's a, a, a long take where the camera's in the van with them and it's watching them fight outside and then one of them gets like bumped into the van and it shifts because they it's been hit so hard and it moves over and you see the women and they're just like ah oh! and then it pans back and watches them through the window some more i thought that was like an interesting shot it gave some gravity some this affects real, real people this affects real people this feels 
like it's actually happening because you're getting some actual movement. Yeah. Best part of of that final showdown scene that took like 30 minutes to get through. Yeah. And And that also just another thing that I think this sequence as well, because I, I don't want to just shit on this bad movie. Okay. But like there is some cool stuff where like, you know, some SWAT team people show up and four of them go after the beast and four of them go after uh, David and he pushes them into something and locks them in yeah. and says like, you know, uh, you know, this is for your own good. Like it shows that he has from the, the 20-ish years that he's been doing this, you know, he's not Superman who can just, you know, fly you to safety and fly back and keep fighting like nothing happened, but he's still a hero. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a good piece of characterization. There's a fun bit at the beginning between him and his son where his son explains, like, Salt Bay to him. Oh my god. Like, and like, you can see the chemistry between them. Yeah, they're really cute together. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, that scene where they're together there, I was like, oh, wow, this is the best performance he's given since Looper. And then he doesn't do anything half as good for the rest of the movie. Well, that's the thing. It just, it just goes straight downhill Yeah. the first 15 minutes. It was really funny to watch you watch it <laughs> because just seeing you sitting there with your hands on your forehead looking so upset and being just like oh i i I can't and then us trying to avoid talking about it yeah in the moment yeah because i wanted to talk about it because you know i knew you watched it and i can't i watch a decent amount of stuff and you are so adverse to spoilers that you won't let me talk about things that you don't want to watch because what if you change your mind and want to watch it (laughs) Which is really funny, given I'd probably forget everything you told me. That and, like, you will also just, no question, spoil things for me. I do it by accident, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, but I just, you know, pointing out. I, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the the fact that we could actually talk about it while I was watching it, it was like, but I can't because... Podcast. Yeah, and it was like, I was watching it late, too. Mm-hmm. It was a work night. And I started watching it at like eight. So, you know, you as a person who goes to bed at 930, I'm halfway through this movie and you're just like, well, I'm going to go to bed and just, you know, read or whatever before falling asleep. And I'm just like, "Eh, what if we just, what if you, like, I honestly thought like, what if you just stayed up and we recorded right away? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. But it was a Wednesday night. We had work. You know, we couldn't do that. But I thought it. I just want you to know I thought that. I don't blame you. I kind of had a similar idea of like, we should just record immediately after we watch each film. Mm -hmm. But that also makes things a little disjointed. But, but it was just like so funny because we, we were just, we had these things, these insightful comments that I've already forgotten about. And now we'll not end Mm -hmm. up in this podcast. Yeah. Eh. Well, it's a, it's a more realistic conversation that way. Yeah. But just like, Sam Jackson's really good. He's always good. Yeah. I think... Uh, and and here's the thing. I think he's really good as Glass in this as well. I think he the fact that he can just sort of, like, just get back into it 20 years, almost 20 years later, 
really cool. I think he is not written as well. No. I think all the stuff where he points out how things are like in comic books feels a lot more forced. Than it did in Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that said, I still really enjoyed Echo. No. You want me to just go pick her up? Maybe. Are you seeing this? Do you even see this, bro? Uh, see how much of that stays in. Yeah, yeah. But like, so, so like you were saying, he, he doesn't seem as well written. But I still really love how he's kind of just going around, getting out of his room, just fucking shit up for everyone mm-hmm. else all the time. And I, I found it kind of funny and somewhat enjoyable. Yeah, and the way they they do it where like he's going and he's turning everything off to do the things he wants and then turns it on and then just sort of spins around in his chair a few times (laughs) to mislead them and set up that like the stuff is going on later i thought that was really yeah charming it was it was charming Mm -hmm. but uh on the point of uh getting the characters being more poorly written i also don't think that uh james mcavoy's character was as well written where in the first movie you know it was written to be part of this narrative that you know this character changes and then james mcavoy comes and he knocks it out of the park he's so good at it and then in this one it very much felt like oh everyone really liked that let me write more of that Mm. and it felt a lot more hand in because there's so much more of it it's like every other scene he's in it's like yeah do like three yeah and i didn't appreciate that i mean it was still really impressive though seeing how quickly he could switch between those characters oh yeah absolutely like there's one shot where it's like 30 seconds of him flipping through like 10 fucking yeah and it's and it's impressive, but there's a lot more. They feel less impactful, and it's just it's diminishing returns. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. It's you know if you see a dog do a backflip, it's one thing. If you see a dog do fifty backflips, it's still cool. But at one point you're just like, yeah, that's the thing again. Mm-hmm. Although fifty backflips in a row would be impressive. I don't think people can even do that. So if a dog could do it, I mean, I would give that dog all my money. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding, cats. I'd give you the money. Echo, don't walk away from me. She's walking to me. But away from me. <laughs> Alright. A little tangent here. Listeners, Sam keeps saying that the cats love us equally, but then they love her more. And then I get sad because they love me more. And she's like, no, they don't, they don't. And then she says stuff like that. Where it's just very clear that not only do they love her more, but she wants to be loved more. But she doesn't want to admit it. Well, I mean, who doesn't want to be loved more? I mean, I would settle for being loved the same. Okay. 
Work hard for these kitties. Oh, I didn't mean more than you, just more in general. I just want to put a roof over their little heads. You have. We have. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. We'll see if that stays in. <sighs> yeah, no, just... Like, how, how can I put this? I have trouble sometimes... Like, I can tell you, oh, this was a really good movie, or this was a really good performance, but I have trouble distinguishing bad things sometimes. <laughs> like, like, like we watched, you know, well, we, we watched The Devil Wears Prada, and when you were just like, man, the boyfriend's like a wooden board, I was just like, you're right! How, like, how did I not notice that before? And like, you're totally right, so I have trouble recognizing bad things sometimes, but this movie was so bad. That I did recognize it right away. Yeah. Okay. And not just like reckon. Uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. I just want to uh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like the 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 final the second half of the movie is just so boring because like that showdown is kind of half the movie almost. Yeah. And and, and it's just. Why are we just hanging out in the parking lot of this insane asylum? Can't we find something better to do? Can't we find some sort of better climax? Mm -hmm. And and a showdown elsewhere without Sarah Paulson watching and going, they're ruining my work. And, and there, there was just so little really going on. Like, I have a, a long list of movies that I feel are complete... And that I describe as that movie feels complete for me because it has everything I could ask for. And it has a full arc, it has full character development. And like movies that fit into that category for me, like as you well know, is like Jurassic Park or the mm -hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel. Where at the end of it you're just you're completely satisfied. You couldn't want anything more. This Oh, you want uh, so much more. Uh, there there's so many like I'm not like you where I can just come up with they should have done this instead, they should have done this instead. I don't know what they should have done instead, but I can say that what they did do was not enough. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, the problem is not the fact that they should have done this or they should have done that. It's they should have done this better. They should have done that better. Because yeah. I like the idea that they tease, oh, there's this new building getting set up and we're going to go and we're going to have a showdown on it and Mr. Glass is going to blow up this one oh thing. You know, which is very superhero, very comic booky, And then they end up just getting drowned in a parking lot. I think that's very deconstructionist, very uh, interesting, but they don't execute it well. No. Also, why didn't, you know, they then go to that tall-ass building that has a huge panel of screens on the side to show the footage that they have why not use the setup of that building not just to make you not think that they're going to die in a parking lot but to also be the end of the film yeah like they could have at least used it they could have done more with the insane asylum asylum stuff they should have had a lot more like i don't know this should have been unbreakable one flew over the cuckoo's nest <laughs> yeah and I feel like that might have been the goal was to do something like that, but it didn't succeed. No. 
And I think that's what sucks about it. Is, you know, you watch something like The Room or Mano's Hand of Fate. You know, some of the movies that are considered the worst movies of all time. And they're bad. And you, you watch them to get enjoyment out of how little they clearly understand about filmmaking. But we know that Shyamalan understands that's a lot about filmmaking. That's exactly it. Is, you know, you watch this and it's not half as bad as those movies. But that's where the disappointment comes in. I'm not disappointed watching something that Ed Wood made. I'm disappointed watching this because this could have been as good as Split. I don't think it could have been as good as... Unbreakable. Unbreakable, partially because that has a lot more nostalgia built into it as well. Mm. Not just as a movie that is old that you appreciate, but the way that movies made and the way late 90s, early 2000s films are made aren't movies aren't made like that anymore. So mm. there's just something innately nostalgic to watching a movie made like that in the same way it is nostalgic to watch movies made from the 70s. It's just watching it not just because it's good but because it evokes something that modern film can't evoke anymore just because of how technology has shifted mm-hmm. but to the point i'm making just like it could have been a better movie and instead it's and it's not and and on top of that they're setting us up for another sequel what, were with, they? With the whole the whole like organization that kills superheroes thing? Yeah. Totally. But then, yeah, but then the only uh notable character from that is Sarah Paulson's character, and she gets screwed. But but I don't know. I don't think it was setting up another movie. To me it felt like it was. And even and even let's say if it wasn't, just why do it that way? Hmm. You know? It's just it's just a mess. <sighs> Samuel Jackson's great though. My oh, birthday just... buddy's great. Yeah. I liked his crazy hair that he had because mm-hmm. it does, you know, seeing him in Unbreakable and then seeing him in this, you really do see how it's just like, oh, this guy just hasn't had a haircut <laughs> and it's just grown out and it's grayed out. You know what's really funny about that? Because mm-hmm. um, when, like, you know, before I described, like, when he's trying to sell that piece of artwork to that dad with the four-year-old kid. Yeah. Because uh, he goes over, like, sort of, like, how great this particular piece of art is. And he's just like, you know, generally villains are always portrayed as having slightly bigger heads. And so, this head's huge. Just, just afroing it out there. Yeah. Um... something that he says around there too no not there cut that out but it was when his mom in Unbreakable gives him his first comic book and she's just like they say this one has a surprise ending and it's like well that is the definition of, of every movie every single movie in this trilogy Yeah, and most of the movies in M. Night's career. Yeah. You know, some better than others. Mm-hmm. Did did Avatar have a twist in it? Uh, the twist was how bad it was. Oh. 
It's, oh, look, we've taken, we're making a movie out of a, a fantastic property that is rich with lore and style and substance. And the twist is how boring and flat it is. Oh, Anyways, great. we're not here to talk about that. No. <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about the Unbreakable Trilogy, and I think we've done that. Yeah. Like, again, just... I don't like superhero movies, but Unbreakable gets me. Because mm-hmm. it's just... You know, in summary, it's... It's a story about a real family. About real issues about fixing and finding oneself and and putting yourself back together yeah which is also kind of themes that you see within split yeah because casey's character is abused is abused and it is through acknowledging that and uh seeing seeing someone who's in fragments really yeah and seeing what you know your trauma can do to you and saying i need to fix myself i need to get out of the situation i'm in well in her case she doesn't really need to fix herself but but she needs there's something she has to do but she has to get herself out yeah because you know she was uh she was suicidal in that movie wasn't she i think so yeah because i think i think it's well, her, she, her dad died, and she lives with her uncle who molests her. Yeah, and I th- I think how... She had scars. Yeah. That's how we knew. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, yeah, like, wrist scars and that. And that saved her from the beast. Yeah, and I think that's... That gets into this weird... That, that weird thing that the internet has now, where it's like, oh, your trauma is what makes you beautiful, so... <sighs> but, you know, we're not, we're not talking about that. But it... While it does kind of lean on that, it is, you know, sort of creating the message of, you know, you have pain and the only way to fix it is to change your situation, which, you know, is parallel thought to the moral of Unbreakable. Whereas the moral of Glass, if we're looking at all three of them having morals, is, man, be nice to superheroes. moral of the story is don't run into Sarah Paulson. I mean, that's how I'm living my life so far. Yeah. That being said, girl, more power to you. And I'm sure she's a very nice person in real life. Yeah. But, like, I've not heard bad things about no. her. Except what I say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more points you want to bring up? Or should I wrap up the show? I think we can wrap up the show unless you want to talk about anything cool you've seen this week <laughs> i haven't really watched anything this week i watched glass mm. uh, i'm going to after this uh, i'm two episodes behind on invincible so i'm gonna watch that okay uh you anything you've been watching uh Dupin? uh yep oh don't step on all that uh okay gonna step on it again to get out i'm gonna get her out this episode's wild no it's got wild animals in it 
I mean, I think they are. They're not wild animals, but they're like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, you were saying? I'm going to take that again. Yeah. And cut that part out. Yeah. So what about you? Uh, you've been watching Lupin? Yes, I have been watching uh, Lupin, Gentleman Cambrioleur. Uh, so this one is it's like I've actually had the book it's based on like Arsène Lupin Gentleman Cambrioleur the same cover and everything uh, that you see in like the first part of the series this is a book that I bought at like a book sale when I was like 12 because I was like I should read French books and I never read it and now I'm watching the show and it's it's really good like the, the lead actor like what a classy man he totally pulls off the gentleman vibes nice 100% and I like how it's shot I'm liking the characters I'm liking all the backstory stuff and it's not the same as the books obviously this is more of like um, this kid read those books as a kid and now he's in, it's influenced him as he's an adult oh that's cool yeah and it parallels the books supposedly mm-hmm. i wouldn't know because i haven't read the book still but uh, are you gonna read it when you're done the season <sighs> reading in french is so hard yeah but it's like this big look how close my fingers are i know but the thing is when you have to like look into a dictionary for every second word yeah it's uh yeah like my conversational french is great but the vocabulary is so limited i should but i mean it's been 10 years now will i well now that there's a good show listening to it in French isn't that enough I guess but no it's really good I'd recommend it to anyone um, besides that I'm looking forward to listening to the Bright Sessions which we did not do this week did we not listen to any this week at work? no we didn't huh and I'm so sad yeah jeez yeah well we'll have uh, time on Monday I hope so yeah but oh yeah get the Bright Sessions it's really good yeah, I've, I've mentioned it before when we had started watching it. Yeah. And like, listening to it, sorry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it we've gone to the third season now, and it's just getting better. Yeah, unlike, you know, the Unbreakable Trilogy, it's just getting better. Um, and besides that, didn't you say that they're coming out with a movie? Or like a series or a show? They're developing a TV show. We'll see if it happens. Because, you know... Stuff goes into development all the time, oh, you yeah. know. But but like they could make something with it. I mean it already is quite a something. They could absolutely make an excellent series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Well, you know what else is really good? Following this show on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at pulp pop culture to do. <laughs> Was that a good transition? Anyways, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pop Culture To Do. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and watch my videos on YouTube. I am the Greg Norton everywhere. Sam, do you want to plug who you are on social media, or do you want people to leave you alone? Oh my God, I want everyone to leave me alone. I mean, unless you're really like looking at just an Instagram full of pictures of cats and a garden, you have no reason to look at my stuff. That's it. No. Leave me alone. 
And you can check out Anthony's graphic design work on his Instagram, Anthony with teeth. Good stuff. Will he be back next week? I'm, I should probably ask him. <laughs> if not, another guest, I guess. Probably another guest. Pro- I, I don't know. Uh, he's almost done, though. Is he? Yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, we got new episodes every Tuesday. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us right now or on other podcast platforms if you prefer them. But if you prefer them, why are you listening to this one now where you are now? Uh, I mean, you know, it takes time. You want to get to know your podcaster player like intimately. <laughs> you want to touch all its buttons. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>